my, my. Why don't we do this? Go to Luke 4. Are y'all recording back there? Yeah. Oh, wow. We had church, huh? So it is November 18th. It is 2012. After an hour and 40 minutes of worship, what's left to say, right? After people get filled with the Holy Ghost spontaneously in the room. After prophecies and tongues and interpretations. After healings and miraculous signs. What is left to say? I want to congratulate you, church. This is what it looks like when you walk in the power of the Spirit. In Luke 4, let's begin with these words. Verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee. By the way, our message today is called, There Are Four. Come on, say it with me. There are four. Jesus returned to Galilee. In what? Power of the Spirit. He didn't come in a boat. He didn't come in a plane. He didn't come in a Humvee. He came in the power of the Holy Spirit. How did you come today? We come in the power of the Spirit. The power of the Spirit is everything. The power of the Spirit is everything. And news about Him spread throughout the whole country. He taught in their synagogues and everyone praised Him. He went to Nazareth where He had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day He went into the synagogue as was His custom. And He stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to Him. Unrolling it He found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Come on, church, let that sink in on you today. A human being had the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God without measure. Come on, can you say it? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. We all believe Jesus had the Spirit. But today in the worship service, you see that He pours out His Spirit on all flesh. Come on, Nick's got the Spirit of God in him. Yes. Yeah. Alex and Haley have the Spirit of God in them. Peter says he has made us participators in the divine nature of God. The power of the Spirit is everything. Without Him, without the great Holy Ghost in our life, we are nothing. But with Him, Everything is possible for him who believes. The power of the Holy Spirit is everything. John 14, 12. John 14, 12 says that we, or anyone rather, who believes in him. Let me just read it. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things. How is that possible? How on earth could anybody, how could Kelly Brio presume to do more or greater than Jesus? How could Gabriel Stevens presume to do more or better than Jesus? Because the Spirit of Jesus in you will do it through you. It's not doing it instead of Jesus. It's not doing it better than Jesus. It's not one-upping Him. It is Him doing it in you. The power of God has been made available for ordinary men and women, Caitlin. Come on, the power of God is ours. Amen. Amen. The armies of heaven 
are with us. These are things where people say amen. But when you look in the mirror, you don't always believe it, do you? Because you see something else. You see flesh. You see sin. You see corruption. But I preached to you Wednesday, we're going to buy a shovel. And we're going to shut up. The power of the Holy Ghost is here. Lots of other things came along with Him. Our sin, our corruption, our nastiness. But we're going to shovel that out of the stall and see a great harvest. Amen. I refuse to let sin define me. Amen, Matthew Piro? Yes, I repented this morning. And I repented yesterday. And I might have to repent 10,000 more times. But that's not what defines me. Yes, Jesus. The power of the Holy Ghost is what defines me. Amen. And we can do even greater things, Tara Harper. <laughs> Hallelujah! A new entity under heaven. When you get joined to Jesus, you are something brand new. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Turn with me to Psalm 40. I struck a nerve in the Holy Ghost on Wednesday night with Psalm 40. And forgive me, but I'm going to revisit the same fishing hole. You find a honey spot, Brother Jason, and you go back. You go back and you go back and you go back because you're going to get it while the getting is good. Amen, Steve? I waited patiently for the Lord and He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put an old song in my mouth. New, new song. song. Come on, he put a new song in my mouth. Amen. Yeah. A hymn of praise to our God. Yeah. Many will see and fear and put their trust in our Lord. Don't let anybody take your song. Don't let the devil take your song. Don't let your family take your song. It's your song. Amen. He gave it to you. Amen. It goes something like this. This mine does. I was a worm. But now He's made me righteous. I'm as righteous as Jesus is because He has credited His righteousness to me. My song says the Spirit that is in Him, the Spirit that is Him, is now in me. Jesus. I look back there and I see Miss Sharon and Mike Vallant. Sharon never stops encouraging me. I don't know how many times she's come to me after a service and said, I saw Jesus I came from a school of thought that said you don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. So you don't tell people when things happen. But ah, be goodness, I, I found something in my Bible. In the fifth chapter of Matthew, he said, let your light shine before men that they might see your good deeds and praise God. So I'm telling you, it's become like fire in my bones. I won't hold it back from you anymore. When we see a miracle, it's not us we're praising. It's Jesus we're praising. When we see a life set free, it's not our, our back we're patting. It's Jesus' back we're patting. So this morning, we're going to glory in some of what the Lord has done for us. Amen? Amen. Turn me to Psalm 107 while you're there. We'll be in Psalm 107 and probably about verse 5. Psalm 107. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out.
to the Lord in trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. We serve a God that sees the hungry, so we can't look past them. He sees, a, he sees those who are in distress, so we can't just drive on by. He desires to feed them. He desires to rescue them. And where were you when He found you? Come on, Joel, where were you when He found you? Were you in trouble? Oh, yeah. Were you in distress? Yeah. Were you hungry for something heavenly? And did you get it? Come on, say, I got it, church. I got it. I'm satisfied in the Holy Ghost. I am filled in the Holy Ghost. I am full of heavenly power. I am no longer in distress. I'm in the peace of God. It is mine, and I'm going to walk in it. It is mine, and you can't take it. It is mine, and I will not let it go. We teach our kids to sing these songs, but we don't act like they're true. This joy that I got, the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. And then we walk around with a frown. No, in the name of Jesus, cast that devil down. It is mine. I own it. I possess it. It possesses me. We are one in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in me. There is nothing that we cannot do. Verse 9 for he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. Come on, he fills the hungry with good things. Who gets filled? The hungry. Come on, say it like Michael Hutchinson. Are you hungry? You got an H-O-U-N in there. Hungry. I'm hungry. Jesus never sent anybody away empty. Parakel, he never sent anybody away empty. So neither will we send you away empty, my friend. Anybody in here that's never been in great need never got saved. I know what it is to be in great need. Peril beyond my ability to handle. Some of you have been with me when guns were put in my face. Not once or twice. It's been going on 20 years when you think about it, Matthew. They started with knives. And yet we're still here. Amen? Amen. Turn with me to Psalm 145 while we're in the Psalms. Then we will leave them. Y'all not bored, huh? No. Y'all doing all right? Jennifer, did you want to preach? No. You sure? Don't you dare stop. Okay, then let's see. read Psalm 145. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name for a little while. Come on now, what's it say? But what if it's raining outside? What if you don't feel so good? What if your bottle of ibuprofen run dry? Forever and ever I will praise your name. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They'll tell of your weak, impotent, emaciated acts. One generation's going to tell of the mighty acts, Brent Vincent. Your kids are going to grow up telling of the mighty acts of God. Amen. What will they see in their lifetime? They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. When I read this song, I found a license. I have two people in my house that have permits. 
they can only drive with us. One of them drives very well, the other still hits things, but we bought him contacts. <laughs> I have a permit in the Holy Ghost. If Jesus is with me, I can drive anywhere. If Jesus is with me, I can go anywhere, I can do anything. I am not under the penalty of the law. I can do it. And so can you. I can go anywhere. I can do anything because everything is possible for him who believes. The God of all power strengthens me because he's with me. I have a permit in the kingdom. As long as he's in the car, there is nowhere that I can't go. So I have found license to proclaim to you the great deeds that Jesus has done. And you know what? He used ordinary men to do it. I have one more scripture before I get to some of these deeds that I want to share with you. Let us turn to 2 Corinthians. Actually, just throw it on the screen. 2 Corinthians 9.2 For I know your eagerness to help, and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you and Achia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. Enthusiasm is not a bad thing, friends. Zeal is not a bad thing. We just need to add to it knowledge. We need to be zealous for the right things. And their enthusiasm stirred someone to action. Can you tell I'm enthused? Come on, Cody, that's right. Woo! We can say excited, but enthused comes from an old word, entheos. It means endowed with God. I've been telling you about the power of the Spirit. And I have it. And I want you to have Him too. Amen. Jesus died that you could have the power of the Spirit. Not a little bit. A whole, whole lot. We hope that by our enthusiasm you will be stirred to believe that you have been permitted to go anywhere Jesus goes with you. In 19, you can turn to Psalm 37. In 1994, Jennifer and I had been married for a year. Having been married for a year, we were struggling through all of the things that couples struggle through. Sometimes because we made $4.25 an hour. Let that sink in for a minute. And neither one of us worked 40 hours a week just to hold the Bible study that we held in our home. You know, we've never had a week in our life, never, where we did not have a Bible study in our home that week. We've never taken a week off, not one. If we were home, not out of the country, every week of our entire marriage, without question, we've had a Bible study in our home. Sometimes it didn't occur on the night it was supposed to. Sometimes it occurred with five people instead of 50. But every night, because our house is God's house. Amen. He lives with us and we live with him. So we're struggling through all those normal things. Don't know how to feed ourselves sometimes. Don't know how to feed everybody else. We're struggling. Somebody had stole my jeans out of the uh, communal dryer that we were all sharing. And they didn't just steal my jeans. They stole my underwear. I don't know who would want those, but there are a lot of weird people in this world. Maybe they sewed two of them together and made a ship sail. I don't know what they did. <laughs> 
And this was before we had an illustrious federal leader that is proclaiming himself Messiah for all men, providing health care to everybody. We didn't have health insurance. Does that surprise you? We still don't have health insurance. We've been 20 years without health insurance. Do I look unhealthy to you? <laughs> so Jennifer has a fever and it's growing we lived in an apartment called the Manchester and we watched it go from 98 to 99 and 99 to 100 and 100 to 101 and 101 to 102 and 102 to 103 and it has now hit 104 her mama was so concerned that her mama came by to pray for her that was beautiful you know what I felt the full weight of? Come on, new husband. What did I feel? What was I worried about? Well, where was the pressure in my life, new husband? That's something you were supposed to take care of. Oh, my goodness. I'm responsible for her. And she's lying here sick. I'm the one that followed Jesus out into the wilderness. I'm the one that didn't take the good job, the safe job, the job that would provide for everything. I'm the one that didn't take the traditional educational path. I'm the one that made the choices that put us here. You feeling me, Brent? Her family was loving. They're godly. They were disciplined. They had things because they were disciplined. We were young and undisciplined. We had nothing. We hadn't saved two pennies. Do you know how I felt? So I began to pray. Suzanne prayed and I prayed and after several hours, I'm left alone in prayer. And you know what? Nothing is happening. You ever struggled in prayer believing the promises of God and nothing was happening? Yes. But praise God, brother showed up. His name was Brad Lively. And when Brad Lively showed up, I felt the new encouragement. And as I began to pray, he began to pray. There was a new anointing in the room. Now, if I'm lying to you now, then the Holy Ghost will get me, so I just assume not lie to you. As that new anointing fell in the room, I felt his presence pressing downward, and I felt something else rising upward. I felt an unholy presence in our room. It was our bedroom that made me kind of mad, if I'm honest. I felt like something was there that did not belong there. And off of my bed, where my wife was laying, something stood up. And both of us stepped backwards. We felt it. The skin on our body turned cold. And I saw it move past me. It bumped me as it ran down the hallway. And as it ran down the hallway, like, like a strobe light going off, in glimpses every few steps, I saw what looked to me like a giant silverback gorilla. And then something hit me, Alex. He's big. He's powerful. And he's scared of me. In the name of Jesus, he was scared of us. Do you know what happened that second? That second, not five minutes later, not an hour later, that second, Jennifer's fever broke and she sat up and said, I feel better. I learned that the people of God have to fight for the things of God. I learned that day that the enemy is big. He's imposing. But he yields to the name Jesus. This comes from James, the fourth chapter. I lied about Psalm 37. It comes from James, the fourth chapter, in the seventh verse. 
Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Does it say sometimes he'll flee from you? No. Is that what it says, Sherry? Occasionally he'll run from you? I mean, if you get loud enough, he'll run from you? Come on, Brad. If, if you use the right phrasing, he'll run from you? You submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So tell me, what sickness stands in his presence? What demon stands in his presence? I know your experience tells you something different, but faith speaks to our heart now. Faith says if we trust God, everything is possible for him who believes. That same year in 1994, I was praying with a man after watching Bob Larson. Anybody remember Bob Larson? Bob Larson had a teaching on the cults, and I watched all of it. That's before Bob got strange. And I turned off the teaching on the cults. We stood up just to do the traditional, Kelly, I'm going to pray for you, you pray for me because you got a long drive, right? Anybody here do that? It's like you pray over food. We say we're not Catholic, but after a while it's just like... <laughs> Except when we began to pray, the power of the Holy Spirit fell. It was unexpected. It was like walking outside thinking that it might be drizzling and you got caught in such a torrential... Torrential downpour, Susan, that your hair went straight. I mean, you soaked to the bone in the Holy Ghost. That same presence came from the top down, and it pressed us both to the floor. And in 1994, I saw visions of what we're doing right now, and I told everyone that I knew. They're here, they're here in this room, many of them. Everything that we're doing now, Jesus showed me 19 years ago. I couldn't have made it happen. I remember telling Matthew, you were leading worship, Matthew. You were standing in front of a microphone like this. You were sway-backed, pot-bellied, and balded. Matthew was 17 or 18 years old. That was unthinkable. He was young, built, you know, all of those things. It was not a flattering word. It was just the real word. <laughs> and I said, you know what, Matthew? I was standing behind you. And we looked out on the hills. And we saw brown faces everywhere. On earthen hills. And I saw ships that were sending us to the nations. Amen. I've been to 22 of those this year. And I dared to believe it. Of course, the Lord didn't give me a choice. He pressed me to the floor and kept me there for four hours while he impressed it upon my spirit. He said things to me about our calling I could have never known was true unless he had said it. And you know what? All the powers of hell have tried to rip them right out of my spirit. But they haven't succeeded. Praise God. Praise God. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. I'd like to tell you that Psalm 37 says something about our footsteps. It says, if the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. There's another way to say this. Some of you have seen it in a King James Bible that said something like this. By the Lord, the steps of a good man are ordered, and his way he is pleased in. It's crazy how this works. That somebody can look at a Hebrew phrase and not know how to translate it. But this is one of those Hebrew phrases that nobody seems to know how to translate. I worked on it and worked on it and worked on it and sought everything that I could find. Good man is not just good. It's a valiant man. It means giver. It's the same word that means mighty warrior when God spoke to Gideon. I'd like to tell you that you might think of this verse something like this. 
the Lord orders the steps of his valiant man. And the course is one the man is pleased with and takes pleasure in. I want you to understand that if you will be mighty before the Lord, if you will be strong and courageous, if you will rock kazakhamat, if you will be strong and courageous before the Lord, He will give you a life that you will so delight in. You will never again be ashamed. You'll never sit at the family reunion and feel second. You won't have to hang your head around the saints of the living God because God is with you you. The power of the Spirit is with you. My goodness, my goodness. I didn't read it to you, but in Psalm 107, around 23 through 32, you don't have to go there. I just want to tell you. He said, those who went out into the sea, they saw my wonders. I want to tell you that it is a valiant man that plunges himself into trouble, into distress, into the hungry, into the homeless, into the pro-life work, into the jail, into the depths of hell. But those are the ones that see the wonders. We are not to hide in our houses. We are not to sit in our spiritual safety deposit box. We go out on the sea of humanity and that's where the wonders are, Zeke. Then when you're walking through the third ward, knocking on doors, that is where the wonders are. Amen. And if you are a valiant man, if you are a mighty warrior before the Lord, not because of you, but because you're walking in the power of the Spirit, Spence, you will look back and delight in the course He charted for you. Come on, Matthew, do you delight in it? Is it better than you could have imagined? It's better than I could have imagined, and He told me it was going to happen, and I still couldn't imagine it. Not only was Jennifer healed that time, Jen's been healed every time we've had a major problem. You were there when she, we were in the hospital in Sugarland. Her mother and father said that it's surely gallbladder because her father had it around the same time. Remember, Miss Suzanne? It felt like gallbladder. It presented like gallbladder. When they got there, they ultrasounded her gallbladder and they said, I don't think it's gallbladder. I said, you're right, it's the devil. <laughs> they said, well, what we want to do is we want to schedule her for a general surgeon because her blood pressure was high, she was beat red in the face, all of those things, and we won't know until we go in. We said, no, in the name of Jesus. Say again. Her blood pressure was over 200. Something began to tingle in my spirit. It didn't help that a Nigerian bill collector came to our room wanted to know how we were going to pay the debt. You know, we serve a God that will send you fishing to pull coins out of the mouth. And I don't trust, I, I don't have a problem trusting that he can pay a hospital debt. But I was having trouble believing that my wife could be in need and he wouldn't meet that need. I said, stand up, honey, let's go. She said, what? I said, come on, Matthew, let's pray for her. Let's pray for her believe she's healed. And let's go. My courageous wife stood up in the middle of the hospital room in the ER. She pulled the IVs out of her arm, and we walked out of the hospital. You know where we went? To church. She had never had that surgery. Did you hear me? She had never had that surgery. She got better while we were at church. Amen. The power of the Holy Ghost is what we need. Yes. And you need to begin to trust Him. 
There is nothing that he cannot do. Let me tell you, she got healed that day. But there are many other days we just went ahead and paid the bill. It took a lot less courage. It took a lot less faith. And it seemed like the practical thing to do, right? I want to tell you that what is prudent is always at war with what is full of faith. Faith has an element of risk in it or it is not faith. Do you really think that I'm not a human being? That Jennifer and I weren't sitting there playing the what-if game? But in all of our reasoning, we refused to reason God out. So we said, in the name of Jesus, we're going. And he met us on the journey. Yes. Amen. 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 My son Judah has been healed. I, and he needs healing this morning. Man, he's white. He needs healing this morning with pain. I don't know what it is. I don't care what it is. In the name of Jesus, he's going to get healed. Amen. Amen. One time he was throwing up at the toilet. You remember that? We're like, Lord. You spoke to us when he was born. You said you would heal him, and he did. He spoke to me and told me he would heal Judah when he was born. And he'd been, first off, he didn't get sick for the first five years, so he didn't get a lot of chance to exercise that faith. <laughs> and now he's 11 or something like that. We said, where is this testimony, Lord? How will he have a testimony to stand on? So the whole family went and laid hands on him while he was at the toilet. He stood up from the toilet better and was not sick again. We have reason to believe our God. Gabriel's turned blue three times in his life on the way to the emergency room calling on the name of the living God. But you know what? He sits here today. We are not alone. The power of the Holy Ghost goes with us. I have it. And I want you to have it too. I have faith that He will move through me. I have faith that He'll move through you too. I want you to have that same trust. Amen? We want all God's people to be prophets. We want all God's people to move in His power. Turn with me to Revelation 19. <laughs> this is worth reading. Are y'all bored with me? Is it okay that I tell you personal stories? Is that a problem? Do you think it's self-aggrandizing? You, you know me. I told you I repented this morning. Matthew, did I repent this morning? Was it easy to do? Was it something that we wanted to stand from? Do we want it to be written across my forehead? It's shameful. But I'm sorry. I made it the same stuff you are, but there's something else there with me. The power of the Holy Ghost is there with me. God has breathed His Spirit into the dirt that was my life, and something new has come out. Amen? Do you remember me before, baby? Was there a change? Did everything change? <laughs> it did. Is it still changing? Come on. Darren's been with me since I don't know how long. And I've been with Darren since I don't know how long. You know what? We're getting older. Better looking. We're not the same people we were. The Holy Ghost is changing us. Amen, teacher? Amen. And He's changing you too. Are you in Revelation 19? Amen. Check this out. This is better than good. It's 1911. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. 
He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him. What was following him? The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. The God that I serve has the armies of heaven with him. We found out by getting a vision at a Manchester apartment in 1994 that he had ordered our footsteps. And it turns out that Psalm 37 confirms that he's ordered the footsteps of a righteous man and that you will rejoice in them. We find out by watching our family members healed and seeing a demonic presence run from us that they were scared of us and all we had to do was resist them. We find out through scriptures like this that the armies of heaven are with us. You are not alone. Matthew and I were in a place called China Street. Zeke just got a chance to go to China Street. So did John. Got a chance to go to China Street. Where you at, John? You were there, right? We were shocked. They closed down many of the bars that used to be there. The whole street used to be a bar. And anybody seen Raising Canes here in this town? Mm -hmm. That's where it started, right? So there was goodness on Chime Street, too. <laughs> We're on Chime Street, and a man named Thad, who is a dealer of prostitutes. What do you call that, Michael? I forget. A pimp. He's not real happy because we are ministering to the women that he is hoping to make profit off of. And I don't know why. Actually, we do know why. Matt was big and fierce, and I was not. They always attacked me. Always. Matt's playing the guitar, and Thad decides to square off with me. Now, I'm going to be honest. I'm made of the same thing that you're made of. When a man pushes you, what do you feel like, Zeke? When he spits on your face, what does that feel like? What do you want to do? Yeah, see, I considered for a minute that I could probably knock Thad out. Matthew, do you think I could have knocked Thad out back then? He had one of those beards that is only about this wide and went down his jaw. It's like a it's like an arrow pointing to right where you're supposed to strike him. <laughs> I know, I know. As I heard a pastor say this last weekend, that's not what you would have done, but see, you weren't there. We were out in the sea. And this is where the wonders happen. So at the moment I didn't think I could bear it anymore, Michael. And I dropped my face and I began to pray. And that's the one thing you don't do on the street, is drop your face to someone. A rival gang member pulled in, pulls a knife, and then a gun, and there's a battle. And they begin to move down Chime Street towards Louis Cafe. And there happens to be a policeman in Louis Cafe. And he fires and shoots three tires out from under one car that gang members are hanging off of. And then while they were all handcuffed and subdued, Matthew and I got to hand out Bibles to them all. <laughs> and guess who was a gentle pussycat after that? That was, because he was going to jail. Amen? Amen? I didn't have to do anything. The Lord did. Later that same week, we were back out at Chime Street. We decided that we weren't going to go into the enemy's camp and take back what he had stole from us. Y'all know that song? I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. We were going to go to the enemy's camp, burn it down, and build the kingdom of God. <laughs> we were 20 years old. What do you expect? Right? 
I pray that zeal never leaves. So we went back to the very same place and we took a man named Ben Osbrooks. Ben Osbrooks is in my Facebook today. You want to write to him, tell him you heard the story. Ben was about this size, but Ben was a junior in high school. That's tough, isn't it? Blonde hair and everything. Don't laugh at Ben. He's about 6'4 now and he's uh, in the Air Force and I think he blows up things for a living. <laughs> so we're on Chime Street. And I am praying for a girl that was raped by an LSU football player. And Matthew is there playing with me. I still remember the football player's name. He was never charged. But she was surely raped. She had bruises on her wrist. She had all of those markings, but she didn't tell anybody because he was a famous football player. Don't be in yucky places, friends. Don't be there unless you're there for the power of God. So we were praying with her, and an alarm went off at me. Those little tinglys that went up my spine, kind of like when Jennifer got healed that day. And we looked over and a drunk was leaning in on Ben Osbrooks, yelling at Ben Osbrooks, about to hurt Ben Osbrooks. Now you could get mad, right? Anybody in here been mad? I've been mad many times. Jen, have I been mad? I ripped down. But this day, I was not angry like a man is angry. I was angry like the Lord gets angry. And as I began to walk next to him, stand up, Matthew, you were there, you can help me. As I began to walk next to him, and I began to talk to him about the power of God, what did he do? And as the further I walked, what did he do? Did he ever try to strike me? He tried to choke, and he couldn't, no matter what he did, he could not touch me. Now, when the power of God is on you, has anybody here ever not handled it well? I became like a child. Stand up, Gabe. I said, <laughs> come on, God, as soon as angel, you can't touch me. You can't do it. Look, everybody, look, he can't touch me. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Our God is bigger, amen. Amen. And you know what? Nobody was in the bars on Chime Street that night. They were all on the street watching a little 18-year-old, 20-year-old, what behind-the-ear preacher take advantage of a drunk up and down Chime Street while we preach the gospel. You know why you can do that, friends? You know why I did it and why you can do it? Because the armies of heaven are with us. Were we prepared to take a beating? God's honest truth. We were prepared to take a beating. But the mercy of God says sometimes you don't have to because He is bigger. And He's bigger than any demon. He's bigger than any problem. I want you to know that the armies of heaven are with you. They are with you. What are you scared of? What is it that you're scared of? What is trying to lean in on you and intimidate you, my friends? At the very same place, Chime Street, we walked from that place <coughs> up through to where Louis Cafe is. There was a Kinko's there. It was a very dark alley. A gang member Holds Matthew and I up. He wants my watch. Now, why you want a Casio G-Shock? I, I mean, I love them. But it's not usually a watch somebody robs you for. So we thought it was the perfect opportunity to share the gospel, Michael. He said, you want my watch and what you need, Zeke, what you need is the power of the Holy Ghost. You want my watch and what you need is Jesus. If you take my watch from me, what will you get? What will you get? You get a watch. But I have something better to give you. If we give you Jesus today, if we give you Jesus today, He'll have you for an eternity. You know, people don't know what to say when they threaten to kill you and you offer to do something nice for them. 
He said, what are you going to do if I shoot you in the chest? If I pull out this gun right now and I shoot you in the chest, say, I'll be in the presence of God, but you, my friend, will be condemned to hell for an eternity. See, that's why I told the man in Mexico, too, when they put the AK-47 in my face, I had got a chance to practice it for about 20 years. You know what he did? He dropped his hands and ran off. Ran off. We walked into a Kenko's and a woman said, It's you! It's you! Anybody remember that red shirt I used to wear all the time? It said, My gang leader walks on water. I wore that thing for about 15 years. <laughs> she said, I was in the bathroom. I was on the floor praying. And I saw a vision of a man in a red shirt with white lettering. And his life was in danger. And I began praying for him. She walked us to the bathroom and showed us. On the other side of the cinder block wall, Matthew and I were standing there with our lives threatened. And when we walked in, she had been praying for us. Intimacy with the Lord is everything. Go to Isaiah 53, 12. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong. Because he poured out his life unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Jesus Christ makes intercession for the transgressors. He's the mediator between God and man. But how does Jesus intercede, friends? He uses you to do it. He uses your mouth to speak. He puts His Spirit in you and causes you to pray that the war might be won. He is Moses with his hands lifted that the people in the valley would succeed and Joshua would attack the Malachites. He is in you to pray that the armies of heaven would be at the disposal of the saints. I never met that woman before or since. But do I owe her my life? Yeah, I owe her my life. Whose life is on the line with your prayer? The armies of heaven are with you. Intimacy with Him is everything. Do you say why we don't have time for silliness? Mm -hmm. What if she had been racing home to watch the latest episode of Seinfeld or Friends? Our future is planned. Psalm 37 tells us this. The enemy is scared of us. James 4, 7 tells us this. The armies of heaven are with us. Revelation 19, 11 through 15 tells us this. He makes intercession on our behalf, even through us. Isaiah 53, 12 says this. Are you ready for the really exciting stuff, though? Are you all bored with what I'm telling you now? No. You can read this stuff in books of great men of God, right? How do you know they're great? Because they told you so, right? <laughs> and they sell their books. They sell their books. And the greater the story, the greater the price you can command for the book, right? We've held these things back for years because we didn't, we didn't understand how it worked. We didn't know that if we didn't tell you what God does in our lives regularly, that you wouldn't know what to expect in your life regularly. We didn't know that. Somehow or another, we bought into the lie that it was arrogant to brag on Jesus for what He had done in your life. You know, it would be arrogant is to think that you could do anything like this without Jesus. So, a woman in my family my sister. She had cancer for the third time. Oh, man. There was no hope. 
The kind of cancer she had was thyroid cancer. First time she had it, they removed her thyroid. When it came back the second time, that's a death sentence because it's outside the walls of the thyroid. So they treated it with radiation. Now it's back the third time, it means the radiation didn't work. It means that it's beyond that. They told her to get her house in order. The statistics that she read online said that there was less than uh, a 20% survival rate. She started coming to church for the first time in years with us. It was difficult. She needed to forgive me, I needed to forgive her. Am I the only one with a screwed up family? But Jesus can fix it all. He can. He can fix it all. Sometimes you just go take it right on the chin for Jesus. You just go say you're sorry even if you weren't wrong. You just go hug them and say, please forgive me. Even if that's not how you think it ought to go. Because it's what Jesus would do. He did it for you. Amen. We prayed for her on one week and didn't see anything different. Her reports were still terrible. Prayed for her another week. Her reports were still terrible. We fasted. We did all kinds of things. None of that worked. Then one night we just rejoiced. Matthew and I spent the evening doing things that Matthew and I like to do. Some of it would shock most of you. I don't think it's unholy at all, but it's not typically what, you know, you think of associated with pastors. And the next morning we met to pray for her. And it was the day before her last scam where they're going to target her cancer. She went in there. She had no cancer in her body. She went from a death sentence to zero cancer. We said, oh, well, maybe it's a wrong test. So they repeated it. And then repeated it. They repeated it four times. We thought, well, maybe it's uh, just in remission. Then one year went by. And then two. We hung all things are possible for him who believes on the wall next to her certificate. I want to tell you that if you begin to believe, everything is possible. I put on the screen 1 John 2. 28, and this is a sobering lesson, and I'm just being honest with you, it hurts me to have to tell you. And now, dear children, continue in Him, so that when He appears, we may be confident and unashamed before Him at His coming. What do you have to do? Continue in Him. You have to continue in Him. My mother was also healed. She was healed of cancer. They told her she had the same kind. She went ahead and had the surgery. When they took it out, they said, we were wrong. We're sorry. There was no cancer. Huh. Another woman, where are the holes? Remember the lady in Lafayette? Another woman, healed. All around the same time, amazing. Do you know that six months after everybody was healed and two little girls were baptized in our church, the devil had so blown it up, none of them were in our church anymore? Isn't that sick? Unfaithfulness is astounding. The devil's ability to twist Righteous intentions is astounding, but we're not going to give him any credit. Who has a responsibility to continue in him? My sister is a good woman. I love her. It's Elizabeth's mother. We're good friends. But she struggles today with something that Jesus wants freed her of. And it's not because he never freed her of it. We have a responsibility to continue in him. If I had only seen cancer healed in her, I might think it was a fluke. By the way, the way that it got healed, I'm driving down the road, Highway 2920. I saw a sign that said cancer kills 50,000 Christians a year. 
My eyes flooded with tears as the power of the Holy Ghost. Have I said that enough? The power of the Holy Ghost. The power of what? The power of the Holy Ghost came upon me. And as I began to pray for her, I felt the Lord doing something. I was so moved in my spirit that a lady uh, moved out of the center lane and into my lane. And I hit her car so hard she flew about 200 yards in my truck. The paramedics showed up. The tow truck drivers showed up. They weren't tending to the lady. Do you know what they were doing? About 30 of them were seated on Highway 2920 here in the gospel. And as I said, Jesus Christ heals my sister. Guess who walked up to the scene of the accident? My sister. And she said, I've been healed by the power of Jesus. Now suddenly overweight men in muscle shirts and tattoos that shouldn't be wearing muscle shirts and their tattoos were no longer as impressive are crying. They're crying because they feel the presence and power of God. And so you know what we did. What did we do? said, all right, are you going to be a pansy? You're going to be a coward? Look at me, you big old muscle belt tow truck driver. You're going to be a pansy? Now that you know this is real, you're going to go back to life as usual? Are you going to ask for the power of the Holy Ghost? Come on now. See, He answers those who are in distress. He feeds those who are hungry. We have a fine way of getting less hungry after He's met our need. And I want to encourage you to be insatiable in the Lord's presence. Is that fair? Yes. Turn with me to Proverbs 18, 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Come on, say closer than a brother. Closer than a brother. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Jennifer and Judah and Abigail and Gabriel and I went to Mexico a few years ago. Now, this was one of those times when everybody was saying you shouldn't go. And if you go, you surely shouldn't take your children. How irresponsible. But faith always borders on the irresponsible, doesn't it? Faith always risks something, doesn't it? So just to make matters worse, on the day that I said we were going to go, guess who gets sick? I do. Guess who else gets sick? Abby does. You remember she broke out in dots all over her face. She looked like a Hindu. And they were multiplying. So now I'm in Mexico. We went through day one. Guess what happened? Come on now, Kelly. What happened on day one? Nothing. Nada. De nada. It was nothing. So I'm sitting there. Sherry, I'm sitting there in Mexico with my whole family, and we're sick, and it's dangerous. And you know what the devil's telling me? Oh, this is vain glory. You're just used to coming. It's been routine. And now you've drug your whole family in it and you're sick and nothing is going to happen. Am I the only one he lies to in here? So we're sitting in that little upper room at Aim and we're praying. We're praying, Lord, if we're here to do something for these people and we're sick and we're run down, how does this work? But we decided to go sick anyway. So that day is one of those outreaches that we did at Aim. We did it with the group from Port Lavaca. And while we were there, they wheeled in a woman that had been in a wheelchair for an entire year. When she was at home, she would try to get out of her wheelchair to get something off of the counter, and she would fall in the morning and be left there till the afternoon when her family came home because she was not able to put herself back in the wheelchair. Her skin was white from her mid-thigh down, and she was a brown woman. 
it was cold to the touch. When you touched it, it felt like you were touching the outside of a refrigerator. Not freezing, just cold. No life in it. We began to pray. We felt nothing. We were miserable. We were sick. We were sick and miserable. Could I say that enough? It was not our great faith. It was not anything. It's simply that the power of heaven is with us, whether you feel like it or don't feel like it. He is with you. It is not a matter of your feeling. It is not a matter of your circumstance. It is a matter of faith. Let me say it another way. It is a matter of fact. He's with us. As we prayed for that woman, I said, Grandma, do you feel anything? You know? Uh-huh. Grandma, do you feel anything? Were you there, Cody? You were there? Am I lying about this? Grandma, do you feel anything? I think I feel like walking. Shut up. <laughs> she feels like walking. Let's let her walk. Well, she couldn't stand. Her legs are still white. But as we picked her up out of that chair, something began to happen. We drug her legs behind us as we walked. I don't remember who's helping me carry her. If y'all remember, say so. It's okay. We drug her legs behind us for about 10 feet, and then one leg went. And then the other. By the time we reached the 50-foot end of the stage, she had turned and was beginning to walk under her own power. By the time we got the other 50 feet on the way back, she was all the way healed. Guys, before you say this is a long time ago in a far, far away place, this is in the last two years, and it's about 35 miles on the other side of the U.S. border. Do you really think God is different there? So she comes back to her family who wants her to sit in the chair to go home, and she proudly proclaims, not only will I not get in the chair to go home, I will never get in that chair again. I asked the family, is she lying? You know, is this real? What, what has happened? They were all unbelievers and said, we can say nothing other than a miracle of God has happened. The power of heaven is with us. One of the first miracles that I ever saw that was recreative, my pastor, who is a great man of God, He got a word of knowledge. He said, there's somebody here and I need to tell you I will not lay hands on you, but come forward for healing. Now, I didn't understand that. I was young in the faith and I thought, we have to lay hands. That's what the Bible says. He specifically said, I will not lay hands. An older woman stepped forward and she walked to the front. He prayed for her. It was the home of a Presbyterian that we were in. He prayed. He didn't know what happened. I didn't know what happened. She didn't know what happened. She went to the surgical consult that she had already scheduled for the next day. She had had some of the first breast implants put in in the United States. And they had leaked silicone into her body. And it had infected her flesh. She was going to have to have radical mastectomy on both sides to get rid of this poisonous foreign body. She didn't have silicone. She didn't have breast God gave her new breasts. That was the home of a Presbyterian. We can't say it was anybody's great faith. We can say it was a great God. We prayed for a man who was 80 years old in India. He laid on his bed less than 100 pounds, dying of tuberculosis. We prayed and nothing happened. 
of course, the next day he rode his bike 23 miles to the nearest prayer meeting. Hallelujah. He rode his bike healed. Every year I've gone back, we've prayed for him. And every year we've gone back, he's still alive. I've been back five times. Do we serve a great God? Yes. Give him a hand clap on the table. <laughs> Who remembers Cindy McGee in the room? Some of you were there. Cindy McGee was one of the early cases of AIDS in the United States. She had few children. They said Cindy was going to die. So Cindy was trying for any experimental drug that Cindy could find. And Bethesda Naval Hospital in Maryland had a program. They were going to try new experimental drugs. So they brought her up there. They drew vials of her blood and then called her back with crushing news. Your white blood cell count is too low. We can't have you entering to the trial because you won't survive it anyway. Is that crazy? What must that be like? Then they looked at the second set of vials. She had gone up over two or three weeks regularly. And after she got that letter, she got a phone call. And when she got the phone call, they said, Cindy, we need to talk to you. And she said, I know, I know, you're not going to accept me into the program. Her prayer at the time was, Lord, I just want to see my children graduate from high school. They were in junior high and elementary school. Cindy had lived in a trailer most of her life. She didn't have an extravagant life. She had had a very difficult life. You remember that? She said, I know, I know you won't accept me into the program. Look, I already read your letter. She said, no, I don't think, and I said, I don't think you understand. We need to see you immediately. She said, why? They wouldn't tell her. She said, well, I can't very well get in a car and go to Maryland. I said, don't worry about it. We will fly you. Get somebody to take you to the airport. She said, well, you need to tell me why. They said, we can't do it over the phone. When they got her there at Bethesda Naval Hospital, they had a team of doctors. They said, we have your blood before and after, but we need to draw it again. They drew it again. They put her through a series of tests again. Then they came back to her. It took about three days for all of this. They sat down. They questioned her about her diet. They questioned her about her sleeping habits. Cindy was obese. She's a big, big, big woman. They questioned her about what kind of exercise she was doing, you know. She wasn't eating anything right. She wasn't doing anything different. There wasn't anything that you could put your finger on, and they were confused because they had Cindy's blood so infected with AIDS that it wasn't worth going through a trial. And now they had a series of Cindy's blood with not a, no AIDS. Geraldo Rivera called her at her home. So did Oprah Winfrey. Jesus told her, do not do interviews. Tell the church. Yeah, apparently there is a, uh, a kind of blood, an antigen or something in the blood that makes it more resistant to get AIDS. And she had it after that. Come on, is Jesus good? Yeah. I'm not telling you something that I read. I'm telling you, Matthew and I were there standing between a farmhouse and a trailer and we laid our hands on her with our pastor and we prayed just broken, ordinary people, but the Spirit of the Lord was there in power. And the armies of heaven pulled hell right out of her spirit and that woman had a new shot at life. Can you say amen? Amen. Who wants the power of heaven? Steve, where did you get the power of heaven? Where was it that you got baptized in the Holy Ghost? At the altar of the Lord in the parking lot of the Whistle Stop in Denham Springs, Louisiana. Can you imagine that? It wasn't the Vatican that gave him the power of God. 
In fact, it was a scared kid who dared to believe that God would baptize him in the Holy Ghost if we simply asked. So in the middle of the meeting, while Steve was still speaking, I said, you want the Holy Ghost, don't you? Steve said, well, that's not really what we were talking about. I said, it is now. <laughs> we walked out into the parking lot. Him and Gerald Williams was now with Jesus got filled with the Holy Ghost. I just left Lafayette, Louisiana, where a young boy named Lance, so many years ago, 2000, 2001, he dared as a young Catholic man to say, I heard you talk about the power of the Holy Ghost, and I want that. We prayed for him on Blazer Street under a streetlight, and Lance got so filled with the Holy Ghost that he had been two years regressed in school. They tested him two months later, and he caught up both years. He's now married and lives on Blazer Street and has a baby. Come on now. Ordinary men full of extraordinary power. That is what I am and that is what you are. Will you dare to believe it? Will you believe it so much, Ray, that you'll act on it? That it's not just a story that you hear, but you see a need and you go, ha, 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 good, because the armies of heaven are with me and I can do it because the power of the Holy Ghost is with me. I'm sick of this fake humility thing. I'm done with it. We're going to let our good deeds be evident. Amen. We're going to shine the light of the living God so that people could glorify Him. Yes. And I'm convinced that people don't have to be hungry on the streets without houses because I have a house. I'm convinced that we don't have to have those things. Let me read you two scriptures and we'll leave. How about Daniel 3.25? He said, look... I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Come on now, they threw Shadrach, Meshach, and one bad Negro into the fire. I wish Curtis was here. I thought he'd like that. Curtis is one bad Negro. That brother will pray. That brother will move the heavens. Come on now. They threw them into the fire, Jason. They threw them in there. And they turned it up and up and up. It got so hot that the men at the door were burned up standing at the door. And you know who was unharmed? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, teacher. And they were unharmed because there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. They were unharmed because the armies of heaven are with them. There's somebody in there that looks like a son of God. We put three in the fire, but we see a fourth. Come on now. Did Jesus not say in Matthew 28, 20? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So when is he not with you, Jacob? When is he not with you? There's never a time He's not with you. He's with you always. He sticks closer to you than your own brother did. The armies of heaven are with you, and you can go in the power of the Spirit. You just need to be about the King's business. Come on, what part of your life have you reserved for yourself? What part is your business, and then you'll get to His business? What part of it belongs to you? That's the part that you have to worry about. But as for me and my household, He's got us all. You're looking at a living, breathing martyr. You say, well, how does that work? And how could you dare say that? No, I believe you're a living, breathing martyr too. You know how you're a living, breathing martyr? You promised to die for Jesus when you were born again. 
None of my life belongs to me. Not any bit of it. Not, not any small part of it. We are greatly excited and encouraged for the day that we get a chance to make good on our pledge. For some of us, that'll be soon. For others, it'll be later. But you know what I'm going to do every day? I'm going to go make disciples. And when I make disciples, I know He's with me. And while I'm making disciples and teaching them to obey, and He's with me, so is the power of God. So is the power of the Spirit. So nothing is impossible. Come on now, are you with me, Nolan? How'd you get filled with the Holy Ghost? That's right, some old crazy person put their hands on you and prayed for you. Listen, what if it didn't depend on some bold, crazy one man? You know what I'm most excited about in our church? There's getting to be more than one bold, crazy man here. Getting to be more than one bold, crazy woman here. We're starting to multiply. We're starting to multiply exponentially. It hadn't shown up in the seats yet, but I can tell you we're closing with this. When we come back from Thanksgiving, I'm going to talk to us about fasting. I'm going to talk to us about loosing the chains of injustice. I'm going to talk to you about three impossible things that it's, it's not we might do. It's not we hope to do. It's not we're going to uh, somehow or another, we're just going to find a way by the mercy of God. The armies of heaven are with us. So this next year, at some point during the year, very early on, we're going to put Matthew on staff. The money's not there to do it, but we're going to do it. We're going to keep and grow our commitment to missions, including domestic missions in the third ward and everywhere else, because it's God and it's His kingdom. We're not going to take back what the devil stole. We're going to take the whole place and make it the kingdom of God. And then we're going to build up that next door because we're going to need more room to hold the broken lives that have been made new. And we're going to. I'm not telling you we might. I'm not telling you I hope to. I'm telling you it's going to happen. And God will raise up the provision through the people that are here, or He'll bring new people in, or you'll be able to look outside, like Brother Hogan said, and see the ravens line up like semis, because it is surely going to happen. You know why? Because it's the will of God. And when you know the will of God, you can be aggressive. You can be confident. You can be the kind of man that cannot be dissuaded. I pray you know the will of God. Stand to your feet. Did that hymn us in enough, Jim? Are we committed enough to our position? Faith doesn't hedge its bets, friends. Faith doesn't say, well, what if? Faith boldly stretches out, grabs hold of the kingdom of God, and pulls the kingdom of God into this hellish situation and changes it. That's what faith does. I would encourage you not to worry about what you see and what you don't see. Instead, worry about what you can hear from the Lord. I was just at a David Hogan meeting. Almost everybody knows that. I feel like a young man who has found a hero. What an amazing guy he is. He prayed for hundreds of people. I was really disappointed to see a man carried to the stage. I thought if anybody needs to get healed, it's him. And they prayed for him, but they didn't treat him any differently than anybody else. It was basically, you know, to each one, in the name of Jesus, fire, right? Not more for him, right? I mean, there is nothing more. There is nothing more. There is either the armies of heaven or there's not. And so everybody left. And Judah and I were still standing there, and guess who was still lying at the altar? Young African-American that had been carried there. 
Oh, man. What does that feel like? It feels terrible. It feels like the promises of God have failed. How could we preach healing? And this, what is he, Judah 16? He's still in high school. Yeah, he's older than that. Seems younger than he is. Young man, lots of potential in front of him, still laying there. We didn't know what to do. So we walked over and we picked him up and we carried him to his walker. And we stood him in front of his walker and said, I'm so impressed with your faith. We love you. That's all I had. So I walked off, but my son stayed behind. They exchanged phone numbers. And Judah got a phone call. He doesn't need his walker It does not depend on what you can see. It doesn't depend on what we can plan for. And you should plan. It doesn't depend on what the risks are. And we're, we're born assessing them. We can't help it. It depends on what the Lord has said. So Sunday, next Sunday, we're going to talk a little bit about fasting. And then you know what else we're going to talk about? Anybody want to guess what we're going to talk about? We've been talking about it. We're going to keep talking power. about it. The power of God. And we're going to move forward into the new year with the power of God. But we're going to see some more healed. We're going to see some more fed. And we're going to see some more restored because we're not in the new year yet. Amen? Amen. Come on, Alex, pray for us. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. You're filled with power. Pray for us.